Hey, veterans. Welcome to the VA Claims Insider Podcast. We are veterans helping veterans get the VA disability rating and compensation you deserve. I'm your host, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran Brian Reese, and each week we share VA disability claim tips, tricks, strategies, and lessons learned to help you win, service connect, and get rated at the appropriate level, even if you've already filed or been denied. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. All right, what's going on, insiders? Brian Reese here, coming at you live from Austin, Texas. Top 10 most common VA claims. Real quick, before I start, quick disclaimer, okay? Um, I am not an accredited agent. I'm not a VSO. I'm not an attorney. I am not any other entity associated with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Okay? I'm not recognized by them. Um, I'm not affiliated with them, and I'm not accredited, okay? Everything we're talking about today is for educational, informational purposes only. Please do not take any of these conditions or what we're talking about today as medical advice because it's not. So always consult your physician first uh, before seeking any treatment or making any decisions on medical grounds. Okay, um, And I'm also not an attorney. So please do not take anything we talk about today in the context of legal advice because it is not. Okay. Now, this is the top 10 most common VA disability claims, and I'm laughing because Combat Craig already wrote number one, tinnitus. <laughs> so this is super funny. So I, I think almost nobody knows exactly how to say it. I've heard people call it tinnitus. I've heard people call it tinnitus. And we even had a veteran in our community call it tinnitus. Okay, so that's bar none, the number one most common VA disability claim, hands down, is tinnitus, okay, tinnitus, which is also called ringing in the ear system. It's the most compensated VA disability claim across all claims, bar none, across all demographics and age groups, okay, and tinnitus can only have one rating. It's either 10% or it's nothing at all, okay, there's no bilateral factor, there's no unilateral factor, it's either 10% or it's nothing. Now, uh, a lot of military members, active duty members, um, suffer from tinnitus, that ringing in their ears. And, and the common symptom, if you're not sure whether you have it or not, think about things. Um, if you've ever been sitting there, for example, let's say you're just sitting at your desk at work, and you start to notice a auditory sound that you can hear, but only you can hear. Okay, there actually is no sound but there's a perception of sound in your ear, okay? And it's typically a ringing, a buzzing, a hissing, a popping, a whizzing, okay? For me, it's, it's a whizzing, and it kind of sounds like this. Okay, if you've ever felt that sensation, or you've ever looked at your spouse or your kids and said, do you hear that? Like, what? What's that sound, right? And, and nobody else can hear it except you? <laughs> you. You probably have what's called subjective tinnitus. Okay, so you should go in and uh, consult your primary care physician if you don't already have a diagnosis. Um, they're likely going to put you through a hearing test at some point called the audiogram. 
okay, which really measures hearing loss. Okay, it does not measure for tinnitus. Tinnitus is subjective. Okay, there's really no way to measure for it. You either have it or you don't. You either say it or you don't. Now, what I recommend for tinnitus claims is to at least write a personal statement, a statement in support of a claim on the VA Form 21-4138. Explain if your MOS or what you did in active duty exposed you to loud noises, okay, in situations where maybe you didn't wear hearing protection. Um, that's critical because there's something out there called the duty MOS noise exposure listing. If you Google it, um, I think it's one of our posts actually, where um, it's essentially what the VA looks at and considers among whatever specialty code it was that you served in, in the military. They are going to look at that and take that into consideration when looking at tinnitus and hearing loss claims. Okay. Consideration does not mean fact does not mean they will always do it in all situations means they'll consider it. But if you were in one of those deployments, loud noises, you worked on aircraft, you were out on flight lines, um, you worked at a, at a CADM, a shooting range, um, whatever the situation is, tell the VA that in your personal statement, right? That you believe your tinnitus was due to the fact that you were subjected to loud noises and you never wore hearing protection, okay? All right. So number two, most common VA discipline claim, hearing loss. Hearing loss. Hearing loss claims suck. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Hearing loss claims suck. The reason hearing loss claims suck is because if you look at 38 CFR, okay, uh, part four, the schedule for rating disabilities, if you go and look at the actual criteria for hearing loss, okay, now there's, there's two parts to this, okay? There's two steps to trying to prove your hearing loss claim, okay? Step number one is you have to prove that you actually have loss, okay? Hearing loss, and that's gonna be measured objectively, objectively using the audiogram, okay? Now, uh, what generally happens in the first step is when the, the audiologist administers the audiogram, they're taking into consideration your decibel loss at five different frequency ranges, low to high, okay? And for VA rating purposes, the, uh, the general standard here is an average loss of 26 or more decibels in three of the five frequency ranges, okay? That's what constitutes hearing loss. That's pretty high. Um, that's pretty high, okay? And there's gonna run you through a few things like speech discrimination. Uh, you raise your hand if you hear a, a beeping sound right? Raise your left hand every time you hear a beeping sound. I want you to repeat the word back to me, right? Dog, cat, bob, name, right? And the audiologist is going to adjust certain things um, and they're putting you through a test. They're trying to determine objectively what your hearing loss is, okay? So just take the test honestly and as objectively and truthfully as you can. <clears throat> okay, so that was step one of hearing loss. Step two of hearing loss claims uh, relates to the actual service connection piece. And ultimately what that means is, is it linked to your service? Okay, now it's tough, right? Because we know in medical research that as we age, our hearing goes. It just, it just does. That's part of getting older. Um, and so if you've been out of the service for a very long time, 
and you know it's not clear what you did in the service you don't have a buddy letter you can't prove that you were around and succumbed to lord uh, loud noises um it's going to be hard for you to service connect your hearing loss because um it's very possible that the va is going to say look yeah you have hearing loss but it's not due to your service you're 75 years old right so be thinking about how are you going to write your personal statement or get a buddy letter that helps explain it if you truly believe that no, this hearing loss stems from active duty. In fact, I know that I had it back then. Okay, just make sure that you explain that um, in, your, uh, in your personal statement, okay? Um, and by the way, when I talk about the duty MOS noise exposure listing, uh, what that means in the context of the law is something called noise exposure conceded, okay? meaning it's a given. So if you've ever seen something as well, you'll see this sometimes with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder claims, PTSD, that they concede the stressor. Okay, that means it's a given that it happened, like a combat deployment to Afghanistan outside the wire, okay? If you can show you were there, um, likely that they'll concede the stressor, okay? Okay, so we're on number two. We, uh, number one was tinnitus, number two was hearing loss. Let's talk about number three. Now, by the way, these are in order of the most commonly claimed, um, not necessarily the most common service connected, and not necessarily the highest rated. Okay, I'm gonna show you some charts on that here in a little bit, okay? But number three, um, easiest thing to claim for VA disability is post-traumatic stress disorder, okay? Ment very serious mental health condition, uh, fellow vets. Um, it's the number three most commonly claimed, um, number three most service connected, and it's also part of the highest rated disabilities under the law, mental health conditions, okay? Mental health conditions are what we call high value claims, meaning there's a very high likelihood that your individual condition for mental health will be rated at 30% or higher on their own, okay? So check this out. This is, by the way, these are, this is real VBA data, Veterans Benefits Administration data for 2018, 2019. We're still waiting on the 2019, 2020 data to be released. Should be coming out here within a month or two. But <clears throat> last year's data, we crunched the numbers and guess what? 90.7% of veterans with a PTSD rating were rated at 30% or higher. That's nine out of 10. Okay, 41.1% were rated at 70% or higher, okay? So you have a very good chance, depending on your symptoms, and depending on how much your mental health condition is affecting you, that you qualify for a 50, 70, or 100% VA disability rating for PTSD, okay? And that goes for all mental health conditions, by the way. I believe there's 31 rateable mental health conditions right now under the law. Okay, now, huge point, huge point that I need to get across because so many veterans don't understand this. Post-traumatic stress disorder claims always have stressors. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Post-traumatic stress disorder claims different from any other mental health condition always have stressors associated with them, an in-service stressor, okay? Something that triggered or caused 
this terrifying event, you either saw it directly, you witnessed it, okay? Um, you have to be able to prove your stressor to the VA on an at least as likely as not basis. Now, some examples of, of stressors are things like exposure to death, okay, threatened death, so things like fear of hostility, um, actual injury, so maybe you were actually injured by some kind of an attack. Um, threatened injury, so you know, maybe you were being sexually harassed or assaulted, um, maybe you were being bullied in the service by your chain of command, and people were making threats against you, okay? That's sometimes enough to rise to the level um, of a valid stressor for PTSD, okay? Um, serious car accidents, training accidents, injuries, victims of rape, witnessing rape, okay? Um, so just be thinking about that stuff. If, if you think you have PTSD and you think you're gonna go for a claim, you need to be thinking about what your stressors are because you're gonna to need to document them for the Department of Veterans Affairs, okay? Okay, now I have some other great resources out there, <clears throat> excuse me, about how to file a VA disability claim for PTSD. And there's PTSD first-time filer tips, meaning you've never filed a claim before. And we'll talk about um, what we recommend that you file with your claim. Um, and then we also talk about what we think you should do if you're filing just for an increase in your PTSD claim, okay? And then, of course, there's that category of all other mental health conditions, which includes anything other than PTSD, okay? 31 rated mental health conditions under the law. And somebody already asked me the question, Brian, can I get rated for more than one mental health condition? Generally, no. It's not impossible. It's just not likely. And the reason being, gang, is the symptoms of mental health are virtually indistinguishable across multiple diagnosis, okay? So due to the legal requirement, something called pyramiding, they're unlikely to grant you, say, a 50% rating for uh, generalized anxiety disorder and a 70% rating for PTSD, okay? The only way that will happen is if the VA rater can differentiate symptoms of which symptoms go to which diagnosis, very unlikely. Um, for that to happen. Now, sometimes what we see is if you're doing a secondary mental health claim, like somatic symptom disorder, chronic pain syndrome with depression or anxiety, depending upon the physical pain you're in, we have seen situations where uh, the physical limitations caused by mental are somehow separated out. Okay? It does happen again, but it, it's not likely. You're generally only likely to be rated for one mental health condition. And somebody just asked, is SSD, somatic symptom disorder, under mental health? Yes, it is. Okay, yes, it is. And keep answering for me, combat Craig. Thanks, brother, because uh, I definitely miss stuff as we go. Okay. All right, so mental health conditions, number three most commonly claimed and easiest thing to claim for VA disability. They're high value claims. If you're going for PTSD, you gotta make sure you very clearly identify your stressor event. Now, I'm gonna add a couple tips here on your stressor. If you're wondering whether a stressor event is good enough, okay, now this is my opinion and this is education, okay, so this is not law. My opinion, based upon our experience and reading all the case law that we read, because we're nerds and I love you guys and I wanna give you the best stuff, okay? 
the general thing I want you to think about is if you're wondering if your PTSD stressor is good enough, ask yourself this question. Did I or did I not fear for my life? Okay. Did I or did I not fear for my life? That will generally give you a pretty good understanding of if your PTSD stressor is strong enough. Okay. Now, it's obviously not a hard and fast rule. We've seen stressor events um, and PTSD get service connected when somebody didn't fear for their life. But as you're writing your personal statement, if you truly did fear for your life, write it down. Okay. If you truly, with full integrity and honesty, believe, yes, I, I did feel for my life. I remember that attack in Benghazi, right? I was there when we were getting rocketed in more in Afghanistan, right? I was on that convoy that got hit with an IED. I saw dead bodies. My friend was killed, right? I was abused. I was raped. I thought I, thought I was going to be killed, right? Write that down if it's true because it could help you prove your stressor event, okay? In the absence of stressor evidence, always try to get at least one corroborating witness testimony. Somebody who was there, somebody who can write a statement that says, this attack happened and it happened to Brian. I was there, right? After this event, he was never the same, okay? Very important. Okay, so number four, scars, scarring, okay? Now scars are, um, scars can pretty commonly get service connected, but they're typically rated at 0%. And I'm gonna show you a chart at the end. So again, low value claim, sometimes you'll get <clears throat> say a 10% condition or a little higher, <clears throat> excuse me, depending on the severity of your skin condition, but it's unlikely, okay? One thing you can do for scars, by the way, is take pictures. Take pictures and upload them in support of your disability claim. What do I mean? I'll show you a picture right here, right now. <laughs> I'm going to hold my hand up. So somebody give me a thumbs up if you can see this. This is my right index finger that got smashed while I was on active duty. I ended up having three surgeries, completely blew up the knuckle. I had about 13 pins in it at one time. Um, another time it got infected, so they had to slice it open. Um, and then I went in for a third surgery to try to get some range of motion back because I basically lost um, control of the tip of my finger and I couldn't bend it anymore, okay? So what I did is I actually took photos of my right hand and my right index finger that shows the scarring. I mean, there's, there's three scars across the side and the top. Um, there's scarring where the pins were. And then, of course, there's pain and limitation of flexing. Okay, so you got to document that stuff. Okay, so <laughs> combat, Craig, look at that crooked finger. Yeah, it's, it's nasty, man. Um, it's, it's nasty. But it sucks, right? It's something that I deal with every day. And I'm right-handed, too. So I kind of had to train myself how to hold a pencil again. Um, how to write again. And so um, it's, it's been kind of a mess, but, uh, but thank God I didn't lose it. Okay. Okay. So you can always take pictures and upload that in support 
as evidence, okay? So that's number four, scars, general. There's a great post out there um, in our other website property, Military Disability Made Easy, which we own, by the way, that's one of our properties, okay? Who's, who here's ever used Military Disability Made Easy? Raise your hand. Just give me a shout out in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, jump in there and be like, yep, I have, yep, I use Military Disability Made Easy. Who here, answer in the comments, there's 175 of you on. Give me a thumbs up or a heart if you use or have used Military Disability Made Easy. That's one of our websites, okay? Okay, number five, limitation of flexing of the knee. We're gonna start talking about um, some other conditions here that we consider to be muscular skeletal in nature, okay? Now, I'm not gonna deep dive all of these because they're virtually the same, but number five is limitation of flexion of the knee. Okay, limitation of flexion of the knee was the, the number five most commonly uh, uh, claimed and service-connected, and in our opinion, one of the easiest disabilities to claim. When we talk about high-value and low-value claims, though, right, somebody had messaged me earlier saying, hey, you know, how do you know the data? Well, because we've, we've looked at the actual Veterans Benefits Administration data that's public, um, and we've crunched the numbers to actually draw some conclusions so we can share with you, okay? 92.2% of veterans who have a service-connected disability rating for limitation of flexing of the knee are rated between zero and 20%, okay? 92.2% low-value claim, right? It's, it's rated generally less than 30%. Now, real quick, so I, I'm not going to talk about this in every um, single condition involving muscular skeletal because I want to be able to take your questions. Uh, muscular skeletal conditions regarding disability claims always come down to two things. Limitation of range of motion. Okay, that's what flexion means. So when I say limitation of flexion of the knee, what that actually means is limitation of range of motion of the knee. Okay. So that's critically important to remember is limitation of range of motion. And number two is, is pain, okay? Painful motion. So think about things uh, when we're talking about limitation of range of motion, painful motion. Do you have arthritis, weakness? Do you get tired easily? Loss of power? Maybe you've got some lack of coordination and decreased movement control. That's what that means, okay? Um, and by the way, lots of musculoskeletal conditions can be filed secondary, secondary to other disabilities in your body. You could file a muscular skeletal condition secondary to another secondary, right? or secondary to another secondary to secondary to a primary, okay? There's no limitation on how deep you can go as long as it makes logical sense medically, okay, and that there's a medical nexus connecting the two, and that you truly believe with integrity and honesty that they're related, okay? Whether it's proximately due to or the result of, okay? So that's number five, limitation of flexion of the knee. Number six, lumbosacral cervical strain. Those are fancy medical terms to say neck, right? You have an issue with your neck. That's what that means, okay? Injured, stretched, torn muscles or tendons in your neck. Now, we know medically through medical research that those conditions are linked to overuse or trauma so maybe you carried heavy packs maybe you constantly had to carry 
heavy weight as a part of your duties <clears throat> while on active duty. Or maybe it's the result of trauma. Maybe it's the result of overuse like physical training that we were all required to go to, okay? So there's lots of things um, in potentially your medical record and what we did on active duty that could help you link something like a lumbosacral or cervical strain or any muscular skeletal condition for that, uh, for that matter. Again, the low value claim, we talked about 92.2% are rated between zero and 20%, okay? I've also got a post out there, by the way, on VA ratings for lumbosacral and cervical strain, and we've also got a connection there on military disability made easy, okay? Number seven, sciatica. Number seven, most common and easiest thing to get rated and service-connected, paralysis of the sciatic nerve that's also known as sciatica, okay? Now, what that is, what sciatica actually is medically, is it's a herniated disc in the lumbar spine, okay, that's the lower back, the lumbar spine, a herniated disc that causes radiating nerve pain. And typically that nerve pain is in the lower extremities. Okay, that's what sciatica is. Um, sciatica is a low value claim. Again, most folks are rated between zero and 20%, sometimes higher depending on how severe it is. Um, back injuries though, neck injuries, um, things that cause nerve damage and pain, very common can lead to sciatica, okay? The sciatic nerve, by the way, when we say sciatica, the sciatic nerve is the largest nerve in the body, okay? It goes from, I'm, gonna, I'm pointing to my back here. <laughs> it runs from your lower back, down through your hips, down through your butt cheeks, all the way down to the leg. Okay, that's the nerve. That's the sciatic nerve. And man, if you've ever had extreme, extreme radiating pain, <laughs> you will try to do anything to get out of that pain. Okay, you will try to do anything to get out of that pain. Um, but you are eligible under the law to file a VA disability claim for sciatica. Okay, it's the number seven most common thing to claim for VA disability. And by the way, there's almost 200 of you on right now, which <laughs> is crazy. Um, number eight, another muscular skeletal condition, limitation of range of motion of the ankle. Okay, limitation of flexing of the ankle, pain of the ankle. Um, again, it's a low value claim, muscular skeletal. Now, when I say low value claim, I'm not saying you shouldn't go for it, right? Because a lot of those zeros and tens and twenties, they add up and you want to get them service connected. You want to get those service connected as soon as possible because guess what? You ain't going to get any younger. Okay, I can guarantee you with 100% certainty that there's not a single person on planet Earth who gets any younger. Okay, so your 50, 70, 90 year old self is going to thank me someday when you get your knee service connected today at 0%. You're, th you're 34 years old, you're 50 years old. You get your knee service connected at 0%. Okay, because you don't meet the symptoms. That's a win, guys. Take that as a win, because at least it's service connected. And someday, 10, 20, 50 years from now, if it gets worse, you can file for an increase and get the benefits and compensation you deserve. People are laughing. They're like, yep, nobody gets any younger, except Benjamin Button. Who's seen that movie with Brad Pitt? It's pretty cool, man, where like he lives life in, in reverse. 
kind of crazy. All right. Uh, easiest thing to claim for VA disability, number nine, most commonly rated service-connected VA disability, migraine headaches. Now, there's so much confusion. The Benjamin Button disease. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Patrick. Can't be service-connected. Migraines, okay? Migraines are eligible for VA disability compensation under the law. So are cluster headaches. So are tension headaches. So are post-traumatic uh, headaches. It doesn't matter. So even though the actual rating criteria calls out migraines, many other migraine headaches, all types of migraine headaches, which by the way, the Mayo Clinic defines there's over 150 types of, of uh, headaches, okay? Um, headaches are a high value claim. A lot of veterans get rated at 30% for headaches. Migraines, tension headaches, post-traumatic uh, post headaches, 30% or higher. Now the highest scheduler rating under the law for migraines is 50%. You cannot be any higher than 50%, okay? Um, the very most important thing that you can remember in combat, Craig, thank you, brother, you already hit on it. If you get nothing else out of your migraine claim today, you're like, Brian, I have headaches. I have uh, headaches due to the side effects of medication I'm taking for mental health. I have severe migraines that are getting worse because of blah. I've had migraines ever since my TBI, right, or whatever, traumatic brain injury. If you take nothing else out of today's presentation, when you're writing your personal statement or you're going through your CNP exam, you must talk about how your headaches are prostrating. Now, I'm not saying you have to come out and tell the examiner, I have very frequent and completely prostrating prolonged headaches, attractive and productive of severe economic inadaptability. Um, nobody knows what that is, number one. I highly doubt a medical examiner is going to know what the hell you're talking about. So stick to what's going on in your symptoms. Tell your true story. Hey, doc, I've got very severe headaches. And when my headaches are bad, I can't go to work. Like I've got to call in sick and I'm on a sick leave, right? Hey, my headaches are often so bad that... I have to lie down in a dark room by myself. I, you know, I, I pull up this app on my phone called Calm. I try to do a mindfulness meditation, right? Whatever it is, okay? And by the way, if you're looking for a way to track, manage, monitor, document your migraines, there's a great app for your phone called Migraine Buddy. Migraine Buddy, okay? I think it's a free download. You can record um, the symptoms, the severity, and the type of migraine that you're having. Um, and that can become medical evidence that can be used for your disability claim. Okay, we have no affiliation with Migraine Buddy. Uh, I don't get anything for saying that. I just, it's an app that I think is, uh, is pretty awesome for vets to track what's going on. Um, it also helps then to explain what's going on to your provider. Okay, so that's number nine, migraines, but it really encompasses any type of headache. It doesn't matter what the name is. What matters is how the symptoms are affecting you. Work, life, functioning. Okay? Very similar to mental health. Okay, and then finally, but not least, all right, for top 10 today, and there's, by the way, there's 833 possible rateable disabilities under the law. I have a free ebook. On our website, if you go to vaclaimsinsider.com, you'll see it right there. 
Okay, you can download it for free. It'll be shipped uh, directly to your email address, okay? Uh, all right, number 10, most common, easiest thing to claim for, for uh, via disability, degenerative arthritis of the spine, okay? Now, what happens when we're talking about degenerative arthritis of the spine is it's a common type of something called osteoarthritis, which is degenerative joint disease, okay? It's a serious muscular health condition, okay? Muscular skeletal condition, excuse me. Uh, and it prevents the cartilage that cushions the top of the bones. It eventually wears down, it degenerates. That's often met with swelling and pain, okay? Serious pain. If you have osteoarthritis or arthritis, you'll know what I'm talking about. It hurts, okay? And it might cause weakness, pain, or tingling, right? When, by the way, things like degenerative arthritis of the spine, um, that can lead to things like sciatica or issues happening in nerves around your body, like radiculopathy, okay? So be thinking about that in your VA disability claim. Somebody asked, what is IBS? Edward, it stands for irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, okay? And it is eligible for disability under the law. Okay, osteoarthritis, and I want to make a, a very important note here. When I'm talking about um, a spine, so this is a spine condition, right? But when I'm talking about arthritis conditions and muscular skeletal conditions, I recommend that you tell the CNP examiner and the VA rater exactly what you have. Okay, I've seen. Uh, folks who tell us that there's VSOs out there and others who tell you just to put down knee condition, back condition, foot condition. And I'm here to tell you don't do that. All right. And here's why. The VA Raiders are incredibly busy people. CNP examiners, I'm not so sure they've always looked at your file before you come in there. You want to make sure that if you have a diagnosis of a condition, that they get it right. And you want to help the VA Raider understand what you're trying to prove service connection for. So tell me, if you're trying to get a VA disability claim service connected that you believe you deserve by law, why would you just blindly go into your eBenefits or VA.gov account or tell a VSO that I have a knee condition? I have a back condition, I have a neck condition, I have a foot condition. No, tell them exactly what it is. Hey, I have knee joint osteoarthritis in my left knee, right? It's unilateral in my left knee. Say it, get it out there, help focus them so they look at and you direct them to the exact piece of medical evidence that you want them to look at, okay? There's a little hack for you today. Okay, so we talked about the top 10. I'm gonna recap real fast, and then I'm gonna to try to take your guys' questions uh, in the time that we have left. I see there's a whole bunch of team members on right now, by the way, who are answering. Um, if you need some help, guys, if you're trying to prove service connection under the law, if you're underrated, meaning you're at 10%, you're at 30% overall, you're at 70% overall, you believe you deserve a higher rating by law, I think you should consider joining VA Claims Insider Elite, okay, which is our premier education-based coaching and consulting program. You get access to the entire membership. 
the VA Claims Insider Elite ma uh, membership, you get access to the VA Claims Insider Mastermind Group, okay, where I share, you get more exclusive access to me and my team. We all share and help each other, along with about 7,000 other disabled vets, okay? And the concept of the mastermind is iron sharpens iron. You're never alone. I guarantee you somebody in the group has dealt with the exact thing you're dealing with, okay? You can get started, by the way. It's a free three-step intake at www.vaclaimsinsiderelite.com. Tom asked a question. What's the cost of your service? Awesome. So the cost of VA Claims Insider Elite is free up front. Okay, we give you free upfront access to our resources, okay, to help you get the rating compensation you deserve in less time. That includes discounted access to our network of private independent medical providers, okay. Um, how discounted? Between 74 and 90% off, okay. You get a DBQ for 150 bucks. You can get a Nexus letter for 275 and you can get an independent psychological evaluation or mental health for $395. There may be some additional charges if it's an in-person exam, meaning you have to go see a doctor, okay? They're private and separate of us. They do not work for me. I do not influence them, okay? That is between you and them. We simply give you access to them at discounted rates, okay? Now, the reason I've done that <clears throat> is because we want to avoid any appearance of a perceived or actual conflict of interest, okay? We do not employ doctors. They do not work as a part of our team to create medical evidence for veterans' disability claims. They are independent of us, okay? Um, but we give you access, and you can take advantage of the discounts. To answer your final question, though, Tom, I, I hope I said that right, um, is VA Claims Insider, you pay your membership fee which is six times the monthly increase if your rating increases, if and only if you win your claim and get a higher rating. Okay, so let me explain this really fast in plain English. Let's say you come to us and you're at 50%. Okay, you have a 50% VA disability rating today, you're getting about a thousand bucks a month at the 50% level, give or take, right? Depending on dependents and special monthly compensation. But for easy math, let's call it $1,000 a month at the 50% rating, okay? Let's say we take you to 90%, right? You meet with the doctors, you take advantage of our resources, you find out, holy crap, I'm eligible for three high value secondary disability claims, but I need a nexus letter, okay? Let's say you eventually get to 90% after three months or six months or nine months, okay? You would owe the difference between the money you were earning at, a, at the 50% rating and the money you're getting at the 90% rating. Okay, so at 90%, you get about $2,000 a month, okay? So at the end, if and only if you get an increase, it would be $2,000 minus $1,000, okay, so 1,000 bucks times six, okay? So 6K in that situation in the example. Now you might be thinking, what? I don't have that kind of money. I know, I understand, which is why we set the program up the way we did, right? We don't charge you five or $10,000 for the membership fees up front. We let you in for free because we wanna help more disabled vets, okay? We don't want money to be the reason why you can't seek the expertise that you want and need, okay? But we are a business, 
okay? I, we have a staff of over 200 people now, which is crazy. That's crazy to think about, right? And yeah, we, we wanna keep growing our movement. We wanna keep being able to give back, okay? So let's say in the example, you owed 6K and you're like, okay, well now what, I owe you 6K. You have two payment options at the end, okay? You can pay via lump sum at the end at a 10% discount, okay? So that example, right? Um, 6,000 chop off 10% would be 600 bucks. So you'd owe 5,400 if you said, I wanna just pay my membership fee now and be done, okay? Or you can pay in half or equal increments each month for 12 months at no interest. We don't even charge you interest. So let's say you owed 6K. You could owe 500 bucks a month for 12 months. You just set up an automatic payment plan at no interest, okay? And I want you to think for a second, because I've had some vets say, well, I don't have the money for that. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure how that makes logical sense, but I understand if you don't want to join the program, don't, right? But it doesn't make logical sense. And here's why. Because at 50, you were getting 1,000 a month. At 90, you're getting 2,000 a month. If you take 2,000 minus 1,000, that's 1,000 bucks a month. If you owed 6K, that'd be 500 bucks a month for 12 months. And then you, owe, you don't owe another penny. So you would still be cash flowing an extra $500 each month had you not decided to work with us, okay? Does that make sense? So uh, Tom wrote, what about if I go from 90 to 100? The difference is 1300 times six, which equals 7,800. Yep, absolutely, right? The example I gave was 50 to um, 90. If you went from 90 to 100, that's absolutely correct, right? But the way the cash flow works, it's the same concept. It does not cost you out of pocket if you choose the monthly payment plan. In fact, you're actually cash flowing more than if you stay stuck, okay? Um, gang, I can't think of a better way to structure this, this membership agreement. Um, if you think of one, please let me know, right? I'm, I'm all ears. I mean, I, I truly think it's about the fairest thing we could ever possibly put in place considering the value of what you get. Um, and man, like you're gonna be happier than hell at the end of this to pay your fee, believe me, right? If you go from 50 to 90, or you go from 90 to 100% P&T, and all of a sudden you qualify for 100% no home tax, right? you don't pay property tax each year. Oh my gosh, I get Champ VA healthcare now for my dependents right? That's the happiest check you're ever going to write. <laughs> and some people are like, preach it. You're right. You're right. <laughs> it's true. Most vets, they can't wait to pay us because we changed their life and they're forever grateful. And in fact, most of them, once they win, they reach out and say, I want to do this with you. Like, I want to become a part of your team. I want to join the insider movement. Um, and my answer to you is, let's go. Right. let's go. Too many vets that need help. And so, you know, we're always looking to add great folks. Okay. Okay. There's still 175 of you on right now, which is crazy. Uh, Al wrote, you guys are the best. Oh, thank you. Deborah, this group and family is awesome and speaking truth. Uh, Scott, hands down. Awesome. Amen. You guys are amazing. 
Combat Craig, the reporting timeline, is that the, is that the current number that's posted on fully developed claims for how long uh, claims are taking right now? I haven't looked at it yet for February. Um, but typically, in terms of processing timelines of how long does a fully developed claim take from, from opening to close, meaning you get your rating, it's typically between 90 and 120 days. Three to four months is, is pretty accurate. But one thing I'll tell you guys is the VA is getting a lot faster. They are. Um, they're getting a lot faster, and they've improved their technology a ton, which, uh, which is a huge win for vets and their families. Um, and, you know, I just, I truly commend what the VA has done over the last few years, the strides that they've made and taken in telehealth. Um, do you guys know that the Veterans Health Administration, the VHA, is the world's largest telehealth provider? Think about that. The Department of Veterans Affairs Veterans Health Administration for Treatment and Care is the world's largest provider of telehealth services. And they've done that, they've put technology into place to even serve and support veterans across state lines because so many disabled veterans either have severe disabilities that they can't get out of their house or they live so far from a VA facility they're in rural areas that the best way for them to get treatment is over video teleconference, over you know some kind of video connect, HIPAA compliant telehealth, telemedicine, telepsychiatry, telecardiology, telepodiatry. There's all kinds of specialties. And of course, with the passage of the VA Mission Act, which was a Herculean effort for all involved, now you can go downtown to any private provider who accepts private insurance with some limitations, right? The VA Mission Act was a huge win. So man, I mean, when, men and women, the, the VA has done a lot to step up for us. Um, it started with the previous administration, the previous secretary, and it's continued today. Um, they're getting better, okay? They're getting so much better than they used to be. Man, you guys are absolutely killing it. <laughs> Combat Craig. The Veterans Health Administration is the largest telehealth provider in the world. And the Veterans Benefits Administration, the VBA, is the largest complainer about telehealth in the world. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more about that today, um, but there's more coming. Okay. There's more coming. Believe me. There's more. There's more. We will never stop fighting for you, ever, ever, okay? All right, gang, some folks are heading off. They're saying, Brian, I'm going to a private provider. Dump the M21-1. Yeah, that's an option. Hey, Brian, I went from 90 to 100% in 55 days with the CNP exam. That's awesome. Congrats, Carlos. There you go. That proves it. That, I mean, the VA is faster, right? Now, there's... These are averages, right? And it's impossible to say with certainty that, hey, you file a claim, it's only going to take 60 days. Every, every veteran's claim is different, right? Everybody has slightly different medical evidence. They're seeing different providers. 
um, adequacy and availability of records are different. Um, we've seen differences across um, the VA regional offices, differences across how fast you get scheduled for a CMP exam. That's a factor. Um, absolutely. Okay. You guys are awesome. Again, thank you. If you're watching on YouTube, by the way, the recording, welcome to you as well. And thank you for being here, gang. Um, again, tons of free resources, guys and gals, at our website at www.baclaimsinsider.com. You can also ask questions in the comments and description sections on YouTube. We will try to answer as many as we can. Okay, so I don't want you guys to feel like you're alone. Okay, as an insider, you are never alone, ever. I promise you that whatever you're dealing with, somebody in our community has already dealt with it and they can share the workable solution with you, okay, to help you get the VA disability rating and compensation you deserve, okay? All right, guys, again, Brian Reese, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran. I'm out from Austin, Texas. I thank you guys. I love you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. You've changed my life. Um, you've, you've changed my life forever. Thank you. Okay, we'll see you soon.